Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by a pingdom and text expander from Smile and Privacy. I'm Simone de Rochefort, senior video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack, and Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate at Microsoft, for what is going to be... Uh, Probably the most chaotic episode of Rocket we've ever done in terms of the locations that our various hosts are recording from. Sound off. (laughs) Yeah, I'm all nervous this week. Uh, You know, but every single week the show just manages to come together. I'm amazed we've never failed yet. So we'll see how this goes. I feel like we have failed before. (laughs) <laughs> we've definitely failed before, but we've still like I don't I I think there was only one time. Was there a time that we didn't get a show out? I'm not sure. There was one time the show couldn't get out, and Jim very graciously pasted together a best of rocket. Show. That's right. That's no, but right. We knew yeah. that that one was that, coming. We like suggested clips right. for that. I think they're in the first year. I remember times where I, I think there were a couple times in the first year where it just didn't happen. Anyway, it's happening today. So guess what? It's WWDC week and we've got a keynote to go through. So today we're going to go through all of the announcements or at least the big announcements that we care about from the WWDC keynote. And then we're going uh, to toast Jeff Bezos at the end of the show Hmm. on his journey into space. Uh, Yes. (laughs) And movie pass update and movie pass update. And movie pass as well. Uh, very excited for that. Yeah, if you haven't seen the last or heard the last from movie pass on this show, folks. Uh, but first, let's get started with WWDC. So Apple had their keynote. I believe that was yesterday, and it's been a pretty chill WWDC, at least from my outside observation of it. Like from the smattering of conversation I've seen on Twitter. Um, and like in work chats and stuff, it feels like this one, it's it's not the uh, not the fireworks uh, show, as it were, right? Yeah, I would agree with that. I feel like, and this was true, I think, for Microsoft Build. I think it was true for Google I.O. Like, not that there weren't great announcements and there weren't things that people are excited about. But this, it's almost like we've had, like, last year, there was a lot of maybe part of it was allowances because we'd been in the pandemic at that point for just a couple of months and things had already been built up. And, and this year it just feels like, you know, it's fine, but there hasn't been anything that's been like, Oh my God. Like it's like last year, you know, the the M1 Mac was obviously going to be massive regardless. Right. But I think it took on an even bigger kind of prescience with everything that was happening in the world. And now it's just kind of like, okay, there's some cool stuff coming, but nothing that's going to, you know, like revolutionize everything. No, I really agree with that, Christina. Um, you know, last year with the move to M1, I mean, this was, that was like the the nuclear weapon of WWDC keynotes because every Apple developers, how is this going to work? Where am I going to be able to get hardware? What's going to be compatible? How, oh my God, am I, am I effed? I mean, that was last year's keynote. So anything in comparison to that is, is going to be low key. And 
I also, I, I think it's worth saying that like a lot of my fears from last year's keynote largely did not come to fruition. It's been a very oh. smooth transition. Remind us what deserve, your fears uh, were. Uh, my fears were compatibility uh, out of the gate. It was scalability. Uh, Unreal Engine blew up for different reasons, <laughs> legal reasons. Right. But uh, overall, it's been a pretty uh, smooth transition. Um, I think this year, you know, there are some really, really good developer updates. And, you know, we'll go through the features one by one. But I agree with you. This was a, a, lower, a lower key keynote. Not to say there's not stuff to be excited about here. There is a lot of stuff I'm excited about, but overall, just not as, I mean, nothing could be as epic as last year. Yeah, we're getting a lot of updates to things, uh, usability features, uh, convenience features, uh, updating things like the AirPods, like uh, Mac OS, like iOS 15, et cetera, et cetera. Um, which is always welcome. Um, so let's go through and let's start with SharePlay, which really looks nuts when I write it down. It looks like SharePlay. Anyway, SharePlay. <laughs> so SharePlay uh, is an update where you can now uh, share video and audio through FaceTime calls. So you can be on FaceTime with somebody and you can watch together Apple TV+, Disney+, Hulu, TikTok, or you can listen to Apple Music. Uh, those are some of the apps that have uh, said that they will be compatible with this feature so far. Um, there obviously could be more in the future. Netflix is not one of them at the moment. Uh, but while you're on the call, you can watch or listen out in sync with the other people on the call. So they say. Um, or you can cast content to an Apple TV device while being on the call with people. Um, and you can watch on the same screen using picture in picture as well. I think that coming after a year of being in isolation and away from people, this is still a really smart idea. Um, certainly, I, I've done more of this kind of watching over the last year. But since I think with my friends that I um, that I don't live near, like my friends on the West Coast who I have maybe become closer with over the last year of only being able to communicate with everyone online. Uh, we do a lot of watch parties. We do a lot of things like this. So ha having a feature like this, um, even coming at the tail end of the pandemic and social isolation, I think is still really welcome to me. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think that it's really smart. I think that the people they already have on, you know, uh, board the Disney is on board, which is big because that gives you Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN. Having Twitch on board, I think, is huge. Having HBO um, on board is good. TikTok is good. You notice that YouTube's not there and uh, Netflix isn't there, mm -hmm. and that is sort of uh, that's not great. Uh, hopefully, the feature can become demanded enough that that those two companies feel the need to support it. YouTube, I'm not sure if they will. Netflix, I could see the same thing. I think in both of those scenarios, these are platforms that are, you know, like they benefit from Apple, but it's not as if Apple is going to make or break them. Mm -hmm. So that is the only disappointing thing. YouTube, I really don't understand, though, considering that like unless you have YouTube Red, uh, which is that is it still called YouTube Red? <laughs> no, it's called YouTube Premium now. Yeah. Wow. What, I'm living like five years in the past. Unless you have YouTube Premium, YouTube is free, so I don't know why they wouldn't allow you to share it. But I agree. that's just me. I agree. Anyway, Brianna, but what about you? No, I I agree. I mean, you know, there there's a so much to unpack here. I mean, 
I cannot be the only one that every time someone sends me a Zoom invite, I just take a breath and I I I I go, this is a privacy nightmare. I don't want to support this company. But I also know that it's it's built so the masses can use it. And, you know, they got to where they are with market share dominance uh, just because, you know, it's it's generally been something that you can pass to your grandmother and, and she can use it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, seeing anyone competing in this space, uh, especially someone that I trust like Apple, that's that's good. And, you know, they noted in the keynote that they're going to be building out the API. I am still unsure about what the, I mean, uh, Christian, am I correct to understand that you will be able, your friends that use this could theoretically access through through the API through like a web browser on Android or, or a PC or something? Yeah, so that's going to be different. So that is in terms of doing like the FaceTime coming to the web browser, um, uh, so coming to like, you know, uh, Windows and, and um, Android via the web. I don't right. know if the share feature, the the share time is, share play rather, I don't know if share play is going to be available in the web implementation of FaceTime or not. Right. I mean, because if you're only limiting this to your friends on iOS, I mean, all three of us will be fine. Yeah, yeah, we've all got that friend that's on Android. And, you know, if you can't invite them to the party, that's a really big uh, I think that's really going to hold this back from from wider adoption. Um, as far as the 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 features themselves, it just looks killer. Uh, you know, Simone, a while back I was talking about having pandemic fatigue, and mm-hmm. you were talking about a friend uh, that you would get together with and and write. Uh, you know, like log on and you're all in the same thing together mm-hmm. and you would yeah. all work like that. I think this would be just brilliant for a situation like that. So exciting feature. I want to know more about the implementation. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move on to announcement number two, live text. Uh, so Apple is introducing its own version of text digitization from photos. So you take a photo of a sign or of a recipe or a receipt, etc. It can take the text in that photo and digitize it. So you can call a phone number that you've written down, um, Google something, Google something from a sign that you've seen, uh, which is super convenient. Uh, not the first tool like this uh, to be exist on phones, but it is Apple's tool to do this. And it works across iPhones, iPads, and Mac and supports seven languages, including English, simplified and traditional Chinese, French, Italian, German, Spanish, and Portuguese. I wish it supported Russian, but that's just (laughs) me and my personal journey. (laughs) So this is cool. You know, this is very cool. Uh, Yeah, Google has this, uh, Microsoft has this, um, so this is, they're certainly not the first, but this is great. And the fact that it's built in is definitely going to be a really good thing. Like, I'm I'm glad to see this. Um, it's one of those features we use in PowerPoint mm-hmm. all the time. And it's also useful in Microsoft Teams. Like, I, I you know, uh, in those scenarios, it can be really good when you're on multi, you're with people who are multinational. But I think bringing it um, to uh, to the other stuff is really good. I think it's also probably a really good accessibility feature. I, I, I can yeah. imagine a scenario in which it's very useful for people who have who are visually impaired. 
Yeah, maybe it's just me and my serial killer handwriting. I just, I've never had one of these systems work out well for <laughs> oh, me. Oh, it's time. It's time to find out. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so I am, you know, it's funny because when the Palm Pilot came out, it was, uh, so for Palm, you had to write graffiti yep. uh, letters on it. And I learned to do that. And I used my Palm Pilot so much in my early 20s. It just permanently destroyed my handwriting. <laughs> so to this day, like my H's and K's, like the K in graffiti the is K's, just like The K's, the palm this. K was weird, yeah. Right. That's what mine looks like. So <laughs> No. Um, yeah, I don't think this is going to be useful for me. But like y'all said, I think from an accessibility standpoint, looks really cool. All right. Yeah, not much to say about this one. It's a great uh, feature, I think. And we, we will see how it works when we put it to the test with Brianna's palm-damaged <laughs> handwriting. <laughs> Uh, but I think it's definitely uh, it's going to be a, just a good thing. All right. Updates to Apple Wallet. Uh, you will be able to use your wallet to store your ID. Do not do that. Don't. Yeah, don't. Well, don't do it. But first, but you can. <laughs> you yes. can uh, photograph your identification. It will store it, uh, an encrypted version, and you can use it to, say, uh, go through the airport, apparently, for participating states. Uh, they're also debuting a hotel key uh, version of this, which will, you know, you can store a digital key to your hotel room, for example. Uh, I, this, this one I hate. <laughs> Yeah, the hotel key thing has existed. The weird thing there is like you you, you had to use an app, but like I've used for going back to before it was part of Marriott, but it was part of like when it was Starwood, um, they've had the hotel key thing where you could use Bluetooth to undo the locks. So having it in the wallet, that is great. I'm not going to lie. That's actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm with you. Um, even if you live in a state where you are allowed to have your ID, you know, account there, like on the one hand, that sounds really convenient and it would be on the other hand that then requires that you are now passing your phone essentially over to law enforcement which i'm personally opposed to so uh yeah yeah. i wouldn't do it (laughs) no i completely agree and if you if you watch the the keynote itself apple's like and we're working with this government entity and the tsa to have universal Ah. adoption and i'm like Oh, hell no, Apple. I am not doing that at all. Um, I also thought technically, you know, they were um, they were trying to, I, I don't want to make it sound like they were misleading, but they were trying to sell the security on this by saying it stores this not in the secure enclave. You know, the secure enclave is where it stores your biometric facial data and, you know, things like that, but in a secure element, which is basically... You know, it's this sub-technology for Apple that uh, basically payment processing goes through. Mm -hmm. So I don't know enough about that architecture to judge if it's up to the level of secure enclave. But that that puts me a little bit more at ease. But when you're talking about Apple forming uh, partnerships with people like the TSA, someone with not a really great record on treating uh, you know, Muslim people with respect mm-hmm. or transgender people with respect, uh, that's when I just hit that uh, eject button personally. Yeah. 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 Also, also, I'm just going to be honest. If you really are wanting to get through TSA more quickly, then what you should do is you should get, you should sign up for Clear, 
which lets you skip like the line and then either just show your your ID or whatever to the person or clear pre-check, which if you have, you know, pre-check or global entry, you know, means that you basically just have to show your ticket to the person. So I don't even have to show my ID to TSA. So granted, I've given clear my biometrics and that is not something that I necessarily recommend for everyone. But if you're like, if that's your whole thing, you want to get through more quickly, there are other options. That's my only point. And then I'm done. Yeah. And like all the options have what I I think of as problems. Like I think the existence of TSA PreCheck and Clear just kind of show how much security theater TSA is. But none of the options are good. So (laughs) I would rather have TSA PreCheck than upload my uh, ID to my phone, uh, even if it's in the secure enclave. Uh, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. Hey, I'm going to take a minute to tell you all that this episode is brought to you by Pingdom from Solar Winds. While you've been listening to this podcast, how would you know if your website had gone down? Would you know if customers couldn't click that buy button or fill out a trial form? You might stumble across the problem by luck but that means it's too late. You've already lost out on new customers. You need something to tell you everything is running smoothly on your site. And more importantly, when it is not running smoothly on your site. So you need Pingdom. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month. I hope they're not all on your site but you wouldn't know, would you? That's more than 400,000 outages every day. And for as low as $10 a month, Pingdom helps keep your sites online. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company, you need real-time alerts about critical website issues and customization of how you're alerted, uh, whether that's via SMS, email, or your team's collaboration apps. Ooh, Pingdom even tracks and analyzes your website's load time so that you can see what's affecting the user experience and where they're having a sad time on your site. If you have a website, you need Pingdom. Take charge of monitoring your site in minutes and go to pingdom.com slash relay FM right now for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you sign up, use the code Rocket at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. That is pingdom.com slash relay FM. And then the code Rocket at checkout. Thank you so much, Pingdom from SolarWinds, for your support of this show and Relay FM. Back to the Apple Marathon. Um, any further thoughts about the wallet update? As I realize, I've just put all of my notes about AirPods into the wallet section of my notes document. <laughs> no, doesn't matter. All right. Siri with no internet. What? Uh, updates to Siri. She will process audio on device by default in iOS 15 rather than sending that audio away into the cloud to be processed. Uh, obviously, that doesn't work for everything. Uh, there are some things that we'll need to have internet for, such as searching the internet. Um, But yeah, it means that she can, you know, listen to commands like you telling her to pause the music or uh, turn the music up even louder so that you don't have to listen to people screaming at you on the subway. 
Yeah, I was going to say the only part of this that seems useful because all this really means is that Siri is still going to be terrible. Um, but now she can be terrible. Not <laughs> yeah, more on to that internet. later. <laughs> right. But like, but now the only, but the thing, but I, I was thinking, I was like, so, because I commented on this in my very first AirPods review, I was like, okay, so you want to control this thing with Siri, but Siri doesn't work if you're in the subway, which is one of the places where I would want to be like, turn the volume up or turn the volume down or whatever. Granted, you look like a weirdo talking to yourself, but also you're on the subway. No one cares. So I'm happy about that. Um, Like being on a subway or being on like an airplane or whatever, like that's now useful. But otherwise, I mean, I guess from a privacy perspective, it's cool. They're doing more stuff on device. If I'm being completely honest, Siri is so far behind the other, you know, assistants, notably like Google and Amazon's that I don't know how much of an advantage that is for most people. If it's like, great, it's more private. It's also unusable. Yeah, the privacy thing was, I think, the only thing that I really <laughs> had to say about it. Bree, what about you? I, I feel like I have a closer relationship with Siri than both of y'all do. I think you do. Um, uh, I use Siri all the time, like constantly. Uh, most of my tweets come from uh, dictating it out with Siri, uh, HomePod. In my, I have one in every room in my house just about. I, I use Siri constantly. It seems to me that this is, you know, when it comes to lag and latency, I think it's really easy to underestimate how much those slight pauses destroy the the feel of an experience. So mm. I'm assuming if it's local, it's going to be faster and there's not going to be that, you know, half a second, quarter of a second before it responds because that whole, that's a second of terror, y'all. Like you're sitting there <laughs> like, is Siri going to know this or is it going to F it up yet again? And <laughs> she messes it up a lot. But I, I just, I think... um you know, it's like the 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 PS like if you go back and play a PS3 now, having played a PS5, it's not the graphics as much as it's the XMB and the interface. It's all faster. It just makes it feel ancient. And I think that's what this is going to do. Yeah. Uh well, kind of piggybacking off of that, uh Third-party devices will now also support Siri. Uh, so if a uh, HomeKit accessory makers can integrate Siri voice control into their products later this year, according to The Verge. Uh, and if the devices are connected to your network, Siri will be routed through a HomePod, which sounds like a whole annoying thing to me. Uh, they demoed it on an Ecobee thermostat during the keynote. Um, we, we've had our, as Christina just said, complaints about series efficacy before um so this just sounds like a continuation like there will be more of her but will she be better (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i'm gonna be honest on the one hand i'm glad they're finally doing this like finally like they were first and it's taken them a decade and it's ridiculous how bad it is and how far behind they are from everyone else so on the one hand i'm happy on the other hand, this is like yet another freaking home assistant, you know, protocol. Like we already had, you know, Zigbee and we had some of the other ones. Like how many of these things do you need? Like way to bifurcate the market even more. Like, okay, HomeKit is still a failure. I, I have a vision though, Christina. I'm imagining my Siri connected toilet. Like that's <laughs> what I want in my bathroom. I want my Siri connected microwave and refrigerator. I mean, 
I want to live in the future. I want to walk into my garage and say, Siri, close the garage door and then have her mess that up somehow. Oh, no, you're going to die. This is how you die. (laughs) Exactly. Siri, close the garage door and then her to be like, I didn't quite get that. I'm, you know, uh, opening, you know, the shears or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like for Siri to kill you. My Siri operated Um, lawnmower. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly what we don't need. Yeah. I mean, it. I'm glad it's coming to more devices, but I just feel like Siri has been such a cluster and it's been entirely of their own making. So I have no faith in Siri. I have no faith in HomeKit. I'm glad it's coming to more things. But, you know, even though I'm like you, Brie, I use voice dictation a ton, but I don't give Siri credit for that. Like that's always been on device and that's really good. Um, I like Siri on my Apple TV, but that is about the only place I use it, I would say. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Well, let's talk a little more about privacy stuff. So we have some cool privacy updates to Mail and Safari. And I think these are a pretty darn big deal. So Mail will, by default, hide user IP addresses. And Safari, as well, uh, will hide IP addresses. Uh, And Apple has said... There there were... I didn't see many more details on this, but they are... Basically, they're they're going to be introducing measures to combat tracking pixels in emails that would tell people uh, like whether uh, tell companies who send you, say, newsletters and stuff, whether the newsletter if you've was opened open, them or not. Like, did you click on it, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so th- this is a pretty darn great thing, IMO. I think so, too. I think it's really good. And a lot of um, other apps have kind of had to step up the, the you know, um, the pace and kind of pick up on some of these things. And obviously, like the the web-based mail service, Hey, you know, has um, is, is very privacy first and has, you know, uh, we'll alert you if they're tracking pixels, if they know about it, and we'll, we'll strip them and whatnot. But I think it's really good. Um, I also, like, they announced a privacy report, which mm-hmm. will, like, kind of, you know, show you a report of, of how they relate to apps. I think that's a really good I think that's good to have that insight. I do worry a little bit that there are apps that for very normal and completely kosher reasons might access your microphone or other things a lot that people will read into that and think, oh, if my if, if apps are accessing these things too frequently, then they're doing something wrong when it's like, no, if it's you know, a video recording app, if it's TikTok, if it's Instagram, like they need to do that. I mean, I would, I think it's up to the apps to communicate to the users why they need access to those things. I totally agree. I don't disagree. I mean, I I don't disagree. Where I do disagree is that if you're creating a report that is listing things on metrics and you're not offering any context, and then you're relying on the user and the app to separately have a whole conversation about that when you wouldn't be having it to begin with, if there wasn't just this, you know, listed thing, like, I, I feel like that can take people to go into, like, the wrong direction. Bree, what do you think? Uh, so I, I agree with you, Christina. And I, I also just want to say, like, part of me is like, so the Brianna Wu private citizen part is like, F, yeah, this is awesome. Uh my job is political fundraising. And then for that part of me, I'm like, this is the apocalypse. Uh, you know, um, we're still dealing with Facebook's changes, uh, Apple's changes with uh, Facebook and the amount of information 
they're allowed to track on you can say that's having really serious uh, effects. And, you know, this is it's a privacy win. There's there's no way around that. Uh, I can just say for my particular industry, you know, we're looking at the Democratic midterms and there's reason to be concerned. And I think this is going to have a, a non-trivial uh, effect on that. But, yeah, the answer isn't to, you know, invade people's privacy. It's for us to work harder. So there it is. Yeah, I definitely sympathize with it, like in terms of email marketing and everything that you need to do. Uh, I, I have a lot of sympathy for you. Uh, I, I totally, I couldn't disagree more when it comes to just reporting the stats of how often certain apps are accessing camera, microphone, whatever. I, I think it really, it, I guess on a basic level, I think a lot of people may not considering how many of us i'm sure click accept all cookies <laughs> when we go to a website um i feel like any concerns about how people might react to this are overblown um i think having that data could be good for people uh if they do choose to access it and i do think like again if i i I, I do put the onus on the app makers to say, hey, you're going to be if you're using Duolingo and you want to be, uh, you know, doing the speaking exercises, we're going to be accessing your microphone um, every time that you do that. Um, and I, I don't think that that I don't think that giving that information to people in a privacy report is necessarily a bad thing at all. Yeah, no, I think it's a good thing. I just worry about people reading the data in a vacuum. But I, I agree it's a good thing for people to have access to. That's the people's report. own fault. All right. HomePod updates. Uh, as you know, one of our most contentious devices here on Rocket. <laughs> we love our HomePods. The HomePod Mini uh, will get lossless audio support for Apple Music later in 2021 and will also be able to function as a speaker for the Apple TV 4K. Um, and HomePods will also support commands for the Apple TV. So, of course, you can, as we all love to do, interact with Siri and tell Siri <laughs> to do things on the Apple TV. And as I mentioned earlier, SharePlay, uh, which is the co-watching uh, feature in FaceTime, will also work with Apple TV so you can watch things synchronously. But yeah, lost this music for HomePod mini no complaints there, I guess. Big shrug about the HomePod in general. Christina, what do you think? I mean, I'm glad they're adding it. I It's, to me, sort of dumb that you launched, you know, the new Apple TV 4K and some of these features without HomePod support already built in. Like, I have a question it's about that. It's a little bit silly. <laughs> but, 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 but I'm glad it's there. I mean, I'm not going to, like, whoop for joy over something that, in my opinion, should be, like, expected features. But um, I'm glad they're coming for sure. And and considering how annoying it was when Apple had first announced that, you know, there wasn't going to be – before they, they backtracked, basically, and said, oh, no, 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 we're bringing lossless support to the HomePod and the HomePod Mini, um, which, you know, was just like a, a – I still think the fact that the um, AirPods Max aren't getting it is egregious, but at least the HomePod is. So I'm glad they're doing that and and also being able to use it as a speaker for the Apple TV 4K, even though, again, that feels like, yeah, this should have been something that like... I mean, considering how much integration we just expect and already have in general across Apple products, it's a very big huh. Uh, But I guess, I mean, the time to complain about it is kind of over because i guess they're fixing Agreed. it uh brie what do you think 
I, I think, and I'd love y'all's opinion on this, I think lossless audio is kind of a scam in general. <laughs> right? I mean, I, 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 if I'm sitting there and I'm putting on the best headphones I have, I can tell the difference between compression and, and, and lossless, right? Mm-hmm. But anytime I'm listening, like uh, today, like I'm working on this air conditioner install for my 911, right? It's playing over an AirPod, a HomePod in my garage, over drills, like yeah. while I'm halfway across the room and maybe having a conversation with someone else. It doesn't matter. And it's like, okay, I'm glad that's like a feature, but I it's just such a waste of bandwidth. Overall. Yeah, you know, you're right. Like it's already streaming to the speaker and then the right. speaker, like it can only be as good as the speaker itself. Um, yes. And I do have a hard time understanding or a hard time comprehending like how much better that would actually be. They only sold like 20 HomePods, the real ones, and I have six of them. So, well, I mean, I don't know. I I still feel like if you're going to launch a service, even if it is a scam, not having support of it (laughs) in one of like in your first party devices is pretty gross. And uh, it's like missing the point. I will say this about lossless audio. In general, I agree with you, even though I do have a number of lossless albums that I've purchased. And ironically, many of those albums are also now available, you know, over Apple Music. But you've been able to buy things in either 24-bit or 16-bit, you know, lossless um, from various sites. You know, 24-bit either at 48 or, or, or you know, 192 um, uh, kilohertz for a long time. Like, it, it's... Um, there have been places that will sell them, you know, for for more money. And I've bought some of those albums over the years. And yeah, I agree with you. For the most part, it is kind of a scam. Like in your most high-end headphones, if I'm wearing like $700 headphones and I'm using a DAC and I have like a very setup listening experience, mm-hmm. I might be able, I can definitely tell that I'm not listening to something that is like lossy, compressed. That said, in most of the environments where we listen, it doesn't matter. Having said that, I think the bigger deal is that the mastering is typically better for those recordings and that actually impacts everything mm-hmm. down the stream. So usually when people I are talking about fair. the difference yeah. in audio quality, it's the mastering. And if the mastering was super compressed, which was really common in the 90s to make things sound louder into the 2000s. So if you have a better mastering process, then it's going to sound better for everybody. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. I'm happy for you HomePod mini owners out there. Whoever you are, sound off in the comments. We love you. <laughs> and good luck. Any final thoughts on this one, Brie? Uh, are we going to talk about spatial audio at all? Because this is a good time to do it. Yeah, that officially launched for Apple Music. Yes. Why don't you summarize that, Brie? Well, I just, I just, I know it's kind of in the same HomePod audio conversation. Um, personally, I'm way more excited about this. Uh, just so you know, uh, your AirPods now, your AirPod Pros rather, will support spatial audio. This is an absolutely awesome technology. If you played something like Dead by Daylight, you know how critical it is to understand where sound is coming from and where danger is coming from. This has a ton of um, accessibility things. They were talking about how if someone is standing right in front of you, it will figure that out and boost the uh, sound right in front of you. So um, I'm really excited about this. I think uh, sound 
like Simone, you know this from your video on sound design that you did. Uh, this is a very, very, very underrated aspect of immersion and UI. Um, when we get to what we're doing this week, I'm going to have a lot to say about sound design on something. And uh, I just think this is a very powerful tool that Apple is giving developers. Christina, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that that's actually a great feature. And a lot of the albums that are now in Apple Music, uh, this wasn't like an official WWDC announcement. They had a special spatial audio event like after the WWDC, which is weird, whatever. Um, a lot of the the high-res and like mastered, higher mastered stuff also has been, um, you know, adjusted for um, optimized master, whatever, for uh, Adobe Atmos and spatial audio. So I'm glad to see more of those APIs and the fact that that's now available on more devices. I've um, I've enjoyed it on my AirPods Max and mm-hmm. it's cool that you can do it on on the AirPods Pro too. So Yeah, I feel like for most of the people who who use AirPods Pro, like even if you don't uh subscribe to Apple Music and or I guess you would have to. Anyway, even if you don't really uh get lossless music like if you're not a music head and you can't really tell the difference because that's just not how you're built spatial audio i think does make a huge difference i know for me whenever i encounter uh, a song that has spatial audio uh it's just stunning or or a film for example uh sharp objects which i recently re-watched uh with my friend Again, over Discord, screen sharing. Uh, The first time I watched it, I watched it on my TV, which doesn't have a speaker system hooked up. And it was a lovely, wonderful experience. The second time I watched it on a laptop with uh, headphones, over ear headphones, there's so much spatial audio in that show um, with the music and people's voices and how sound comes in and out of a scene. And it's really, really masterfully done. And I had just no idea. I've watched that show twice. And the third time I watched it, I learned this. Um, So even if you think, "Ah, I can't really tell the difference uh, between music quality, spatial audio, you can tell. And it is so cool and great. Hey, I'm going to tell you really quickly that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Text Expander removes the repetition out of work so that you can focus on what matters most. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say, which I never know. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. It's better than copy and paste, which can result in terrible accidents, and better than scripts and templates. Text Expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things you type while still customizing and personalizing your messages. Text Expander can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere that you type. So take your time back and increase your productivity. I know y'all are big fans of using Text Expander. Uh, Christina, what do you personally like about it? Well, one of my favorite things to do is to like um, attach a Text Expander snippet to like a, an automator action. Um, and so I can run like an automator script or something or, or, or you know, a, an Apple script or something else um, just by typing in a couple of commands. And so I really love to do that. Like um, I, when I'm writing show notes for things, I like to get a list of all my links in my open browser. And so I have mm-hmm. a text expander uh, snippet that I write in that then triggers the Apple script and will then list all, it will grab the URL from um, every 
tab in my um, uh, selected web browser and then um, format them in Markdown, but they does it in, in the reference list mode so that when I'm writing notes for things, I can reference the URLs without having to type in the whole thing. So uh, like that's one really nerdy example of a way that I use Text Expander like dozens of times a week. Beautiful. As a listener of Rocket, you too can use Text Expander in this way. You can and you can get 20% off your first year. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. That is textexpander.com slash podcast. Our thanks to Text Expander from Smile for their support of this show and relay FM. All right, returning to talking about AirPods. So Bree briefly mentioned the conversation boost feature for AirPods Pro. Uh, Yes, this is a feature for people who are hard of hearing. You can basically adjust how you hear somebody who is standing in front of you and talking to you, uh, especially in like crowds. This can be very useful. It basically just isolates their voice and you can use sliders to adjust the ambient noise. There are also updates uh, to AirPods uh, in terms of notifications that the AirPods can read out to you. Uh, So currently, obviously, AirPods can read you your text messages and things like that. Uh, They're also going to be able to tell you uh, when things happen, like, example, somebody, a food delivery arrives or um, context-sensitive notifications. Like if you've made a grocery list and they can tell that you're at the grocery store, Siri can then read that grocery list to you. Uh, So those are a couple of the updates on what Siri can say to you through your AirPods. Uh, The AirPods Pro and Max are also getting enhanced, like, find my features, basically. They're going to be... Yes, Thank God. exciting. Um, whether they're in or out of the case, they're going to be able to chirp uh, and connect to the Find My Network uh, via other people's Apple devices so that you can find them even when <laughs> they are not with you, uh, which is great. I'm very excited about that because I lose my AirPods all the time. <laughs> uh, maybe this is just me. I hate this feature. I hate it so much. <laughs> You know, I'm sitting there doing my own thing. I mean, I'm probably not the only one that like uh, you're listening to a song or something and you stop it and you go on about your day and you keep your AirPods in your ears. And then all of a sudden it's like one of your group messages goes off and you're just like listening to this for hours on end. Oh, oh I, I, I turned that feature. thing off as yes. soon as I got the AirPods. I think it was one of the, I had it on for like a day and I was like, no, actually I don't need this group chat getting lit while I'm listening to music. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, I mean, I, I think it's useful for some people. I'm personally not that jazzed about this. Yeah. I don't know. I like the context aware stuff. Like I like the idea because Apple, it, this is a, a, an old feature that they've had for years, but it's one of those things where apps can do different things depending on what location they're in. And I like that idea. I like the idea of saying, okay, if I'm at the grocery store, you can read me my shopping list. Or if I'm at this place, you can you can do this. If I'm if I'm on you know this sort of street, it indicates maybe I'm on a run. And so I do want you to read my messages to me, right? Um, so I, I don't mind that stuff. I'm more excited about the fact that I can now find my damn lost AirPods case. Like that's the real <laughs> thing that I'm excited about. Bringing that into the Find My Network is really exciting because I was, now they just need to do the Apple TV remote, but I was really surprised like yes. why that wasn't part of it to begin with because I do lose my AirPods in the case all the time. And if they're in the case, like you can use Find My and you can 
I can basically get like an update of like the last time they were in a general area. But if they're not open or if they're not like naked, they can't make any noise. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited about this. It will even tell you if you left it behind. If you exactly. left it somewhere, it has an option to tell you that. That is a great feature. That's a great feature. One hundo. Yeah, I think that's going to be great. I, I haven't lost my AirPods yet, but also I haven't really left the house that often this last year. <laughs> so uh, I could and I'm, I'm definitely like always looking around like, are they next to me or are they across the room? I'm looking around Um, right now. They're next to me. So, yeah, I think that that is a great and again, like much like the um, Apple TV support for the HomePod mini, it's kind of like a. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not going to complain about it, but it's it, it just makes sense. This is the the Apple uh, keynote of things that just make sense. And we're happy about them, but they just make sense. And that's most of what we can say. Uh, in terms of the context-sensitive reading, I can definitely see, like, even though I will never, ever turn on Siri reading my messages again, Things like the grocery list example, especially uh, as long as we're still masked in the grocery store. I like that because right now I do go through the whole like pull out my phone, face ID. Oh, I'm wearing a mask. Put in my code like every time I want to pull that list up. So that that I mean, it's a minor nuisance, but having Siri be able to read the list to me, I could see that being useful, even though will I ever get over my uh revulsion to speaking to siri in public probably not so Mm -hmm. in another world though simone is really enjoying that context sensitive stuff and grocery deliveries too like messages never but honestly i think it makes more sense to have siri read these other things that aren't messages i agree (laughs) than like your group chats yeah i agree with that yeah i never want her updating me on (laughs) my forbidden group chats All right. uh, (laughs) Any final thoughts on AirPods? That's it. That's it. All righty. All righty. Mac OS Monterey. (laughs) Ah, We're getting a new Mac OS. The next Mac OS is called Monterey. Uh, It is another step towards the unification of Mac OS and iOS, including some features like allowing you to share a mouse between Mac OS and iOS. Uh, and also, Which I love. Yeah, it's great. Uh, being able to use Macs as an AirPlay target, uh, so playing stuff from your iPhone and iPad. And the iOS shortcuts feature is coming to macOS as well. Um, I'm pretty pretty excited to play with this. I honestly don't get into shortcuts on iOS as much as I should. But uh, considering how much I've hurt my freaking hands this week using my devices... Uh, more shortcuts, more shortcut integration would be welcome. What do y'all think? I I just have to laugh at the way you said unification. You may sound like the unification church. <laughs> like that's the same thing that Apple is doing by bringing uh bringing iOS and macOS together. But These two right, families, totally long divided, yes. are finally being united. <laughs> It's the cult of of you must bring these two things together. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, look, it it is showing how much more similar some of this stuff is and and is becoming. And and that's um, kind of funny. I, I, 
as much as they claim that like it's not happening, it's like, no, it clearly is. Like, yeah. you know, I, I do really like the universal control feature, which there have been apps that have done this for years and they do it really well. Like there's one that I've used for forever called Synergy and there's like a open source fork of it. I think it's called like Bastion or something. I can't remember the name of it, but there are um, uh, barrier. Sorry, that's the name of it. But, you know, there are these apps that will let you share one mouse and keyboard, but across different devices and even operating systems. And you can even like um, have your um, clipboard, you know, synced between the two and it's really nice. But this, like the the demo, and I think the Verge called it like the best demo of WWDC. And, and I would I would completely agree, which is like watching Craig, like, a drag and drop, like an image from um, uh, a Final Cut thing uh, or from an image like on an iPad, like onto a timeline in Final mm-hmm. Cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's really cool. And like, that's the sort of stuff that, that I think makes a ton of sense. Uh, so I'm excited to see that. Shortcuts, I'm really excited about because I love shortcuts and I'm glad that we're getting a Mac version. My only fear, and and they didn't say anything about Automator, it was I was just like, just don't get rid of Automator because then mm. that indicates that they would be getting rid of AppleScript and like, I just, I don't want to go down there. If they're not investing anymore in Automator, that's completely fine. But um, I, I don't want that to go away because that would make me very sad and that would get rid of a lot of like, con- like use stuff, use cases that I get out of my Mac. But I am excited that Shortcuts is coming to Mac because a, I think hopefully it'll make it possible to edit iOS shortcuts on the Mac, which would be much easier. But B, you know, I think it's a really smart paradigm and a lot of apps and a lot of websites and stuff use it, that it is one of those things I think uh, could bring a ton of people into automating stuff um, more solidly across their devices who don't think of themselves as programmers, but would really like the idea of being able to to do more things more easily. So there was a comment on Twitter about uh, about uh, universal control, and I forget who it was. It may have been Joanna Stern, and she was like, "Who actually has all this <laughs> stuff? Like, who has an iMac sitting next to an M1 laptop sitting next to an iPad?" And I'm like, "Well, Christina and I do. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like, like we're the suckers that have this. Like, like it's such a small demo. People, they're going to blow this much money on Apple crap." And I still would never use this. I mean, I I will occasionally. Do you know how Safari will sometimes tell that you've been surfing a site on your your, yeah. your iPhone and then you hand get to off. your Mac? It's like yeah, hand off of this here, this tap, and I'm like, sometimes I use that. Okay, hang on. I use that every yeah. single day. I use that every time I do this show because there are so many times, like if I'm on a a computer that doesn't have WhatsApp on it, and I I need to write down show notes passing off the link from my phone to the computer. Oh my god. And when it doesn't work, I get uh-huh. so, I'm so mad. unreasonably angry. And it's <laughs> a brief shout out to Glenn Fleischman uh because I I think I did complain about this on Twitter because I was like googling what handoff suddenly not working. Ah, so mad and he was like, "You know, sometimes if you turn Bluetooth off and on again, It'll start working, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Sure, it does." And I did it, and it immediately worked. And I've, I, I'm still <laughs> f- 
furious about it. Um, but I hope that this message helps someone else in a time of need trying to use Yes. <laughs> anyway, Brie, I'm sorry. I totally interrupted you. Please continue. No, 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 no. You did not. You're dead on. You're dead on with that. Uh, I do want to say Christina has a hard out in 15 minutes, so we should probably figure out like the last things we oh, want right. to cover. Oh, right. Let me just and, briefly, and you're yep. each going to say one sentence. Thank you so much for the reminder. Test flight coming to Mac. Well, I Xcode Cloud coming to Mac. Well, yeah, yeah. I was going to say Xcode Cloud would be the, for me the the bigger thing. Yeah, um, I think yeah. that's actually pretty profound. Um, so Xcode Cloud is basically a way of doing um, continuous integration, continuous deployment stuff from your Xcode um, uh, builds, and it'll do it in the cloud. And so it'll do the build process. It'll push out the agents. It'll do parallel builds and make it easier for you to do testing. It integrates with TestFlight. So TestFlight is coming to Mac, meaning that you can now, which is, it's about time, um, you know, Apple acquired TestFlight a million years ago, but um, uh, it's, it's good to see that it's finally coming to the Mac. I think that um, that stuff is really exciting. The interesting thing to me about the Xcode Cloud thing is that the CI/CD space is really, really hot. And so you have Jenkins, you have you know a bunch of other services, GitHub Actions, which disclosure I work at Microsoft, which you know uh, owns GitHub. There are a lot of other options. Travis, there are, are, are a ton of different services, and people have built a lot of. CI/CD build stuff um, exclusively aimed at iOS. Um, this also directly connects it with App Connect, meaning you can do this as part of your like submission process to Apple, which is cool. The interesting thing I noted because I signed up, I'm on the wait list to get into the beta because I want to see how it works. Is that they say that it'll be free during the beta period and that pricing will be announced, you know, in the fall. This is interesting to me because. To my knowledge, this is the first time in the kind of modern Apple times that we've seen Apple have additional resources for paying, like to, to extract like a services model similar to what they've done with with iCloud and other things, going towards developers, and that this could potentially be a really big money making thing for them because some of these CI/CD services and 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 whatnot are multi billion dollar companies. So that's an interesting thing for me, both from a business and a tech perspective. Yeah, um, I couldn't agree more. Top news of the show, WWDC is ultimately a developer's conference, and this was the biggest uh, developer news. From the way they talked about it, Christina, I'd be curious, do you think they're going to be getting into like versioning control with this? Because they kind of were hinting to it to my ear. Well, they're saying they support Git, and so they're they're yep. that's that they're, they're not going to be doing their own hosted stuff. I don't think they were saying they would support, um, you know, um, uh, GitLab, GitHub, um, and um, some other self-hosted things. I can't remember what what all the different services they said, but it was uh, probably maybe Bitbucket, Atlassian's Bitbucket. I guess the major three: GitHub, GitLab, um, uh, Bitbucket. But Git is what they're supporting, which makes sense because uh, that's what everyone uses. Right, standard. Um, I don't think that Apple, I don't know if they would get into their own private Git repository things or not. They could. I don't know if what would necessarily be in it for them if they can just use what other people have done because it's a big ask, especially if you're a, a you know medium to large size organization. You already have your source control on one place to say then, oh, well, I have to use a different you know repo um, and a different source control provider for my iOS stuff. Like that doesn't seem like that's much of a benefit. 
Yeah, I I agree. I think the the door is open a bit for that, and I think the use case here isn't for a you know a huge company. It's for you know a small a small team. You know, five or six people. So, um, in any case, like the the test flight part of it definitely had like is this version approved like the unit testing looking mm-hmm. at you know does this pass the test or not so all of that stuff is very interesting um i'll go really quickly on this i also just really wanted to quickly touch on the health kit stuff because it was privacy focused uh Quick, very quick summary of this. Uh, Apple is allowing you to collate all your data that's collected with your iPhone and your Apple Watch for some really interesting applications. Part of it is like as you get older, your walking stability gets worse. It will analyze that and potentially alert people. Um, that is very interesting. Also, it's got a protocol built into it. So say, um, let's say your sleep isn't that great. I'm on five hours of sleep today. <laughs> and you want to show your doctor like all your, your, your sleep data over time. Uh, They've added a protocol and connected with health insurance companies to allow you to do that. Uh, I personally, no way in hell will I be using this feature ever. I think I will not be sharing my biometric data from my Apple Watch with my insurance company and my health providers, but that's just me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, hey, before we uh, kick Christina off the call, I have to tell you that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Privacy.com. How many times have you been worried about your financial privacy online? For me, it's every day, especially since uh, good things happen, like my uh, apartment manager allowing me to pay online. Good thing. Do I trust them? Not so much. Uh, And I'm, of course, as we all know, I'm always out there trying to buy uh, scam ski pants, (laughs) ski bibs (laughs) from fake websites. I'm constantly giving my money to people who don't deserve it. Uh, Or, for example, logging into Barnes and Noble in the middle of Central Park and purchasing books uh, on a time when forgetting to use my VPN. Wow. Why am I this way? Don't be like me. (laughs) Privacy is a tool that makes it easy to manage your financial lives online while keeping your most important information secure. By generating virtual numbers, privacy masks your bank information so you never have to worry about giving it out to people you don't know online. So it is so, so easy to use. And I think that's my favorite thing about it uh, because when one is dealing with money and all of the numbers of a, a card or a bank account, uh, it's a hateful thing, especially when you're typing. Uh, privacy has such a simple, like, lovely interface. You just put in your numbers once, you make that virtual card, and then you get to use it. And it's so deliciously simple. And, of course, it can protect you if you, say, give your credit card info to a website that is fake. Um, you will have not done that if you use privacy because it has generated a number that masks your real bank account number or credit card number. And that is so crucial to living in this horrible world. Take back control of your payments. Decide who can charge your card, how much, and how often. And you can close cards at any time. Say you signed up for that (laughs) Hulu trial that you didn't cancel and now your mom's using your account so you can't cancel it anyway. But if I had used privacy, I could have said, allow this number to be active for X number of months and then shut it down shut that right down and they would have done it and they could have saved me money and my mom would be sad but you know what she's a grown-up she can handle it 
Plus, you can make sure that you never accidentally build twice or upgraded to another service without your consent. And privacy is partnered with the good folks at 1Password. You can create, use, and save privacy cards directly within your 1Password dashboard. All virtual cards created in 1Password will have the same security benefits as your other privacy cards. And you can set spend limits, create single-use or merchant-locked cards whenever the heck you want. So head to privacy.com slash rocket and sign up for an account today. New users will automatically get $5 to spend on your first purchase. So go to privacy.com slash rocket and sign up right now. Thank you so much, Privacy, for your support of this show and Relay FM. Now, Christina, I'm going to give you a choice before you head off today. Would you rather yes. be here for dessert or would you rather tell us what you're doing this week? I would rather be here um, for dessert if we're talking about Movie Pass. Yes. Tell us about Movie Pass. Okay. So, Movie Pass, y'all, the Movie Pass <laughs> movie that is inevitably going to happen is going to be so freaking good. So juicy. So, the, uh, uh, the, the FTC, like, find them. Um, and basically, it, it was completely without teeth, unfortunately, uh, because there's no money that they can get from from these guys, and uh, the whole thing was a scam. But basically, people found out that like the the people, a lot of the reporting around Movie Pass was um, not even getting into all the details of how bad it was. So basically, like the the FTC said that they deceived users so that they would use it less. Like they purposely went in like at the CEO's behest, like <gasps> specifically went in and would change people's passwords <gasps> and then make it difficult so that they couldn't log in again because they were like, oh, they're using it too much. So if you've used it more than three times in a month, we might change your password <gasps> and then you can't use it. And and then it would take like, you know, most people could could get their password changed within a week, but some people it could take weeks for customer service to respond. They were also doing things where they would group people into, I guess, different user group pods. And if that pod had then received had had then gone to the movies too many times, they would do like a tripwire and basically be like, okay, we're not going to make it really hard for these people to use the app and and require that they send in you know photos of their tickets and other other verification stuff um, to try to make it difficult for people to use the service. They like did just a ton of really shady stuff. And so the FTC, the only real thing they could do was basically say that um, they can't, they have to be disclosing and and, and they're not able to, to do this sort of thing at future companies that they work at. But there wasn't really anything that's like, for instance, saying you can't operate a public company again in the future, or I, mean, I guess that would be an SEC thing. But, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of teeth to it. So mm-hmm. interestingly, one of the FTC commissioners who had like a dissenting opinion, she was like, yeah, actually, um, I think that this was egregious enough or whatever. There should, this should have been a criminal action <gasps> because there's nothing that, you know, is is what's happening, like us trying to take our our statute and try to enforce our rules here, there's no teeth in it. It's so incredible because not only, as we've discussed at length on this show, was the original idea of MoviePass not financially sustainable. No, they just <laughs> did actions that would drive people away from their app in droves, making it worse to use because their idea wasn't financially sustainable. It's a real Ouroboros of of just bad, um, bad company running here. Brianna, do you have any thoughts? Uh, prison, I think. I think <laughs> some, of the, some of this stuff is so unbelievably unethical. I, I think, 
I think America would be a brighter place if we started throwing more white-collar criminals in jail. That's just my opinion. Uh, yeah, that's my dream for America. So, uh, yeah, this this crossed a huge line. And uh, like you, Christina, I cannot wait for the movie. Really, it's more... This isn't even movie. This is more HBO miniseries. Like, we need the like Fire Fest documentary version, right? right? Right. We need to find out what Kate Winslow is doing after Mayor of Easttown is over and cast her in this somehow. <gasps> yes, I agree. There's, there's got to be a role for her in this in some way. <laughs> I mean, I want the role of just like Christina sits down and explains to Kate Winslet everything about MoviePass <laughs> and we just watch Kate Winslet learn about this <laughs> just watch her reactions <laughs> for an hour uh, all right thank you so much christina for this update on movie pass uh do you really thank quickly you. tell us what you're doing this week yeah so i am in orange county with my friend juliet and i'm working on a bunch of stuff for work that i can't talk about but that we'll be able to talk about in a few weeks but it's really exciting and really good and uh just uh, kind of living my best oc housewife life for an, until tomorrow evening Thank you so much, Christina. Have a good night. Bye, Christina. Thanks. Well, you can find her uh, on Twitter and Instagram at film underscore girl. But the other two of us are still here. Uh, Brianna, why don't you tell us about, tell me what you're up to this week? Okay. Okay. Simone. See, I was hoping Christina will be here for this because she would understand. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping you will understand. Uh Uh-oh. Are you a pinball fan at all? No, but I no. appreciate it. I mean, I'm not okay. like, a, I don't hate it. I'm not against it. Okay. Did you ever, back in 1993, play the Star Trek Next Generation pinball game? No, I was three years old. Okay. Okay. I will forgive you. This is one of the greatest pinball games of all time. Uh, Pinside lists it as the 21st uh, best game ever ever, ever made out of literally thousands of pinball tables. It is a beloved classic. And this week, I fulfilled a lifelong dream and bought a Star Trek (gasps) Next Generation pinball table from 1993 and put it in my office. And it is so much fun. I I tell you, it's it's really similar, actually, to fixing a Porsche because it's like so old and you lift it up and it's all these electronics and the wires are frayed. It is an absolute mess. I've got to do some work on it. But it's also like I have my favorite pinball machine of all time sitting in my office, Simone de Rochefort. It this is, is amazing. so cool. What yeah. condition is it in? It's in pretty good condition. Uh, I paid about six for it. So, you know, not top of the market. Um, it's got a few things I've got to fix. The, the plungers don't hit as hard as I would mm. like and a couple of the sensors are down, but you know, these are rebuild kits. And honestly, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, maintaining this machine because I'm going to learn how to physically maintain a pinball table, which is as much of a dying art as say, taking care of a 1986 portion on 11. This is such a good project. And especially I'm just thinking about how as it's coming up on summer and it will be very hot and bad outside, you can be inside messing with your pinball table, learning about how they work uh, in the air conditioning, the beautiful, cold, frosty indoors. Everybody that's near to my age absolutely loves this table. It is, it is, it's as much of 
what we saw growing up as, say, Street Fighter Two, it's just mm-hmm. a really, really beloved table. So we're going to have a lot of parties over here, invite friends over because we're all vaccinated and we can do that again. So this is it's, it's just going to be a blast. Now, remind me, is this your first pinball yes. table? that you, OK, Very so you don't have the basement arcade yet, but this is step one. No. This Slippery is slope. step one. Yes. All right, we'll be back with you again next year. We'll see. You. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Listen, it's E3 this week. Oh, I'm no. going to be spending the weekend. So that, since this comes out on Thursday, I can actually talk about what we're going to be doing. Um we're going to be just restreaming the press conferences all weekend long on over on Polygon. Uh we're having kind of a chill E3 this year. It's the second or no, because they didn't even do it last year. So it's the first remote E3. And I'm not really sure like what's going to be announced. I think there will be some, you know, big announcements because certainly games have not stopped coming out in this last year. But it is going to be a, a bit of a different show than usual. So we're going to kind of play it by ear in terms of what videos we're making. But we know we'll be streaming the press conferences so you can find us at twitch.tv slash Polygon uh, on Saturday for Ubisoft and Gearbox, and then Sunday for Xbox and Tuesday for Nintendo, uh, the Nintendo Direct, which is going to be a riot. Uh, so I'm super excited for that. I, I usually really enjoy E3 week. Like, usually we'd all be in the office and uh, doing late nights and like eating garbage food and just like having a, a good but work a good work time um this year i'll be sweating in my bedroom with a bunch of monitors set up which it will, will be its own kind of special it'll be a little bit different though um so yeah i'm excited though i'm excited to i think i'm gonna be surprised because just because i have no idea what is going to be announced or anything but I'm excited. I mean, I think we know a battlefield is coming, if I remember correctly, but it really is a black hole overall. I mean, am I remembering that right? I not one of the franchises I follow, so I have no mm-hmm. idea, honestly. Yeah. Or do you think we'll get a new AC announcement? Or do you think we're Probably too close to Valhalla? This yeah. year I yeah, I, I maybe Valhalla DLC, if anything, but I don't know because they just released that big Ireland DLC. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's, I think it's an off year for AC, but um, excited to see what they will announce. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm looking forward to that Nintendo Direct. That's going to be great. I want to know more about the Breath of the Wild sequel. That is going to be good because last time we got, yeah, we got Breath of the Wild 2 teasers at last physical E3, and mm-hmm. I am hoping for a full trailer. Again, I do not know, I have no knowledge. But I have a lot of hope in my heart. <laughs> I want to see Zelda as the star for once. That would I want to see the Breath of the Wild uh, sequel. I want to see it star Zelda. And I want it to be really weird, like Majora's Mask. Yes. Uh, Majora's Mask is a very beloved game, but I think like the the there's a lot about that game that doesn't hold up. But it's it's beloved because it's so freaking weird. I would love to see them hit that vibe again with modern mechanics. 100%. Hear that, Nintendo? You have a couple days. You have a full week <laughs> to to make this happen for us. Uh, all right, Brianna, where can we find you online? Uh, you can see me at uh, Brianna Wu on the Twitter machine. And if you want to support uh, what we do, uh, you can go to helptherebellion.com and uh, help us uh, make sure uh, things are not, uh, that we still have a democracy in the United States uh, after uh, 2022. 
Love to see it. Uh, you can find me at, on Twitter and Instagram at doomquasar and at youtube.com slash polygon and this coming weekend at twitch.tv slash polygon. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of Rockets. I beg you to review us on Apple Podcasts, although maybe wait until we have a couple episodes where we're, like, all back in our home studios again. I don't know. It's it's up to you, but we love uh, getting your reviews, and they help other people find the show as well. So thank you so much if you've done that. This episode of Rockets is terminated. Terminated. Terminated.